Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over Oh man, do I miss that song Good evening everyone, <laughs> it is 11.30 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air after a 12-month hiatus. Welcome to the show that covers anything and everything and tells it like it is, I think. My name is Joe Buccino. My tag team partner and co-host is still David Gomez, 12 months later. Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. I just can't believe it's been this long. I know you've refused to do a show for the past, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 months or so. It actually hasn't been a year, sir. you got to get that right. It's been since September. So we're still about a month out, a month and a half out from that that full 12-month hiatus. But I'm doing good, sir. And, folks, of course, as always, if you'd like to be a part of the program, give us a call. The number this time is a little bit different, however, 929-477-2593. I will never get used to that number. I guess since we uh, downgraded our service here at Blog Talk, we got hosed. But anyway, um, sir, <laughs> I kick it back to you. How is everything? Oh, wait. Wait, time out, time out. A little out of practice. Remember, com, which has not been updated in over a year. JV? <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I think we're going to try to cram uh, about 11 months' worth of stuff in about an hour or so uh, because that's all Blog Talk allows us. Um, I'm doing great um, a year later. Uh, I haven't heard from you in, in months, so... It's good to hear your voice, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to catch up to, um, definitely talk about everything and anything in terms of sports and sports entertainment, talk about our lives, and um, is it true that we have a caller, or is that, you're just kidding me? I'm going to check, sir, so, uh, you know, I was actually just uh, sending you a message, thanks for ruining that, so uh, just just take care of business, please. All right, so uh, let me let me address the white elephant in the room here. Um, we did take a hiatus for a good like ten months, like Dave was saying, or even eleven months, and um, you know things have definitely gone has 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 had its ups and downs, um, a little tongue tied as usual. Uh, but you know, inspired by the potential reunion of Mike and the Mad Dog, I think Pure Gold has come back before them, hopefully to steal their ratings. And um, because you know, just last week we heard that Mike and Chris were both interested in reuniting, so. We know that Chris Mad Dog is lost in Serious World, and uh, Francesca, Francesca is um, pretty much disgruntled with Fox and CBS Radio. So a reunion the is possible. Pope? Uh, the Sports Pope, yes. So it is possible. So Pure Gold had to go and jump the gun, or whatever you want to say, and try to beat Mike and Chris to their reunion, and Pure Gold is back and reunited. Even though the Mike and the Mad Dog can't possibly even get together, uh, legally, anyway, for a couple years at least, you know, with all the contracts and their whole situation going on. But, yeah, that actually is why. That's the only reason we actually uh, got back together was because of Mike and Chris. We felt so inspired. We just uh, we had to come back there. <laughs> That's what we did. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, sir, uh, and to the audience out there, 
basically, uh, after our last call, uh, after our last show last September, uh, my father was unfortunately diagnosed with a bone and blood cancer called myeloma. It's been ups and downs the last 10 months, and uh, fortunately, thank God, it was, um, you know, he's in remission now, and he's doing better. But things have certainly changed in my world. I am no longer living in Wally World. I am now in the beautiful town of Woodridge. And um, that's me in Why a nutshell. Why don't you give out your, uh, your new address, sir, for the, whole, you know, for the whole world to know where the hell you are? Why not? Yeah, my address is 130 Not Going to Tell You Avenue, Woodridge, New Jersey. Awesome. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So give us a give us a brief synopsis of what you've done the last uh, eleven months before we get into the show. Well, nothing really. Just sat around, gained a whole bunch of weight. Uh, just got fat. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to uh, imitate Todd from Todd's takes. I just wanted to become a hot mess. Um, you know, and of course Hans, our former entertainment reporter. I just wanted to be like one of the guys. You know, just uh, pretty much give up on life and I uh, do nothing. No, you know, just been busy. No, no new children. Still the two. <laughs> Um, you know, in and out of work, I mean, you know, getting fired, uh, you know, not that long ago, and just uh, just having a good old time, basically. I mean, just, you know, quitting jobs, leaving jobs, switching this, doing that. Um, you know, I'm missing PG, of course. I can't I can't even remember how many times I text you to say, hey, we need to do a show, which, of course, we never did. Uh, so today is a miracle that we even did it, because I was falling asleep about five minutes ago, and I have to be reminded, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you got a show to do. Um but, yeah, basically just been kind of in and out of stuff and, you know, trying to stay out of trouble with the law, trying not to go to jail again. You know, I, I already did a couple of years in, in the big house, so I don't want to do any more for, uh, you know, tax fraud, embezzlement, uh, for, you know, putting on bad uh, Internet right. radio shows, stuff like that. Yep. And, of course, um, you know, unfriending uh, a former friend, Nelson, former, uh, you know, a producer, <laughs> if oh, you boy. will, and just following our other producer, Flips, you know, to see how he's doing. Um, basically, just a whole bunch of crap. I've actually been watching wrestling recently, uh, which is amazing for me because I had literally stopped watching for a very long time. But um, you know, I know we're going to get into all that, sir. So pretty much, I've been doing nothing because I am a loser. <laughs> well, um, I I want to make a promise to the audience, all of one person out there listening, or maybe none, and say that I'd like to start up Tuesday nights again if if you're uh, willing to do pure gold once again at Tuesday nights. Uh, it's possible. I mean, you know, anything is possible, right? Isn't that, uh, I've heard that expression before. Yeah, that, you're right. But you did dive into wrestling, so I guess we should start there because, again, we've been away for so long. Um, I, I don't think much has changed other than the fact that, you know, when we left, last time we left you, uh, Brock Lesnar was the world heavyweight champion. WrestleMania Wait, happened. Was he really? and Oh, that's right. That's right. Cause yeah, he was. He won it. He had just beaten. Wait, when? Yeah. When did Brock win? Was it SummerSlam? It was SummerSlam, correct? Yep, so it was SummerSlam. Yep. Summer so Slam. Brock was. It was one of those matches that you could never forget because it was so one-sided. It was just unreal to see because you know Super Cena never um, loses the match, let alone gets dominated. And uh, again, you'll never see that type of match again, I don't think. Uh, but Cena had lost the belt, and uh, Brock Lesnar was now your World Heavyweight Champion until this past WrestleMania, where. Seth Rollins finally cashed in his Money in the Bank match. Typical pattern, you know, that you have the Money in the Bank winner lose his match earlier on the card, and then he did cash in at the main event and beat uh, both Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And we fast forward to this WrestleMania, which um, you're calling Summer Scam. So I'd, I'd like to get your take on why you're calling this year's Summer Slam, Summer Fest, 
summer scam. Well, I mean, I honestly, the way that it goes so far, I just the only match that they've even announced, the only match that is, has any sort of interest in build-up, we don't even know what the hell is going on. And I was actually thinking about this today when I was watching the very beginning of where I saw literally like a minute of it. Uh, who who is Seth Rollins even going to fight? Who, who You know, who what match are they going to put him in? He's been feuding with, with uh, Lesnar, and, of course, Lesnar and Taker are fighting, which will be interesting to see if Taker's still alive. It's good to see. You know, Everybody who's ever listened to the show knows I'm not a fan of The Undertaker, as you are not either. But it's always good when they get him to wrestle more than just once a year at WrestleMania. I mean, twice a year is double, you know, the workload that he's been used to for the past couple of years. But um, that, and that's a good match to happen, the two of them, you know, just taking care of business. But at the end of the day, do you really just want that to be the only thing going on? Is there anything else? Is, is there going to be any other matches announced? Are we just going to go into this with uh, Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker fighting for two hours, sir? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm not at all intrigued by this Brock Lesnar-Undertaker match because I told you this about a week or two ago, maybe last week. Um, the fact that Brock Lesnar beat Undertaker and you said the WWE likes to even things up and make things even-steven, yes. like, right. to me, I have no interest in seeing Undertaker-Brock Lesnar because I know that Undertaker's going to win. And uh, to me, that makes no sense to a guy that is the indestructible, uh, unstoppable force that's Brock Lesnar. I mean, this is going to be a big blow to his character if you ask me, and they just brought him back to be a face. Now he's a heel again. I, I just don't know. I don't think they know what they're going, where they're going with this character, sir. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I do. I do think it's weird. I mean, just proof of the fact that they always have to have the even up. As a matter of fact, you know, the only situation I can think of where they did not even things out was Hulk Hogan and The Rock. And I know we're going to get to the, the Huckster in a little while. But yeah. the fact that Hogan lost to The Rock at WrestleMania 18 and followed that up with a loss to him the following year uh, at – was it the following year or the following month? No, it was the following year at Backlash. Um, that's right, because Hogan and Triple H ended up fighting – well, of course, this, that didn't happen because Hogan has been erased from existence, so he never won the, the you know undisputed title the month after WrestleMania 18. But anyway, um, Hogan then comes back as a face with The Rock being a heel and lost to him again which set up uh, Hogan and McMahon, again, didn't happen, which, you know, besides the point. But um, I think that's the problem is that you look at Triple H and Brock Lesnar, the trading wins. Cena, when he first, when Lesnar first came back, trading wins. Um, I mean, there's so many examples, countless examples. Look at The Rock and John Cena. WrestleMania, was it 28 and 29, where they... Brock wins one year, and then the following year, you know, Cena wins in, in New Jersey, of all places, you know, where the fans booed the crap out of him. It's just the way the WWE likes to do it, and it's it's not what I would say is best for business, but, I mean, since when does the WWE ever do what's best for business, sir? You're right, and uh special shout-out to, um, because I am a geek and a nerd, I know this, but tonight is, uh, today is uh, Triple H's birthday. He is 46 years old, so uh, quick oh, shout-out to, to Paul. Levesque. Loser. <laughs> I, know, I knew that it was going to come up. But, sir, you know, as you were saying about this whole even-up thing, like, I look at the whole feud between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and then the feud between Undertaker and Triple H, and they never even those scores up. Um, you know, Undertaker pretty much won every match at, at yeah, WrestleMania except for thing, his past year. The thing about that, though, is that you're talking about exclusively WrestleMania, where, of course, Undertaker had the 21 straight wins at WrestleMania, so that's different. You know, you can't count that. But the fact that Brock beat him at WrestleMania, ended his streak, and they're now wrestling a year and a half later at Summerfest, 
you know that Taker's going to win because, I mean, you're going to tell me that Taker's going to come back to lose this match. I mean, hell, I wouldn't be surprised talking about evening things out if Triple H and Sting go back in the ring and, and, you know, Sting beats Triple H to make up for the fact that he lost to WrestleMania, which that decision to this day still baffles me. But, um, like I said, as far as Triple H, Shawn Michaels, these guys, you can't count them and the Undertaker because Taker beat everyone at WrestleMania multiple times pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point there. Do you think that this whole uh, Undertaker Brock Lesnar took a life of its own recently, where you know Paul Heyman kept using that same stick about beating the one in twenty-one and zero and all that stuff, and now all of a sudden they were, you know, Undertaker's like, I'm healthy enough, I want to come back. Or do you think this was planned way back at WrestleMania when Undertaker beat, uh, lost to Brock, and um, this was finally well, the rematch that they were waiting for? Well, first of all, if you're going to quote it, quote it correctly, it's the one behind the one in 21 and one, which makes go. no sense because there's actually two ones in <laughs> in that phrase, 21 and one. Right. Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know. I can't imagine that this was planned. But then again, I mean, the WWE, they do things in ways that us fans probably wouldn't agree with. So, uh, you know, is it possible that this is planned since way back then? Of course, I find it odd that they would plan it such a long distance out because, I mean, the way the taker has been, you honestly don't even know. Is this guy going to be around? Is he going to be dead? You know, is he going to turn up in a gutter somewhere? You have no idea because taker's uh, wrestling career and, you know, what he's done for the past several years and him getting older and whatnot, he hasn't been consistent, so you really can't say, oh, you know, let's plan this three years out. Is it possible? Yes. I don't think so. I think it's probably because the taker's like, you know what, I want to go at this. That was a big money match. People are still talking about it. Let's do it again. I think that's probably more what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that, too. And I think that we're, what we're heading with, uh, since John Cena um, defended his U.S. title tonight with against Seth Rollins, I think you're going to have basically a world heavyweight title match with uh, Seth Rollins and John Cena, this time for, obviously, Seth Rollins' title, and I think Seth Rollins will retain because I think Cena could take a hit now and lose the um, – you know, a main event at SummerSlam. But I also think that he's probably going to have to drop the U.S. title before that or just give up the U.S. title and uh, maybe have, like, some of those mid-card guys wrestle for it, like Kevin Owens now, who's an up-and-coming name. We haven't mentioned him. Um, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, well, people like that. How how could we have mentioned him if we haven't been on the air in 10 months? <laughs> You're right. Captain Obvious over here. Woo! Anyway, you were saying? So I, I think that, the, that's, that that's what they're aiming. They're going towards a John Cena-Seth Rollins World Heavyweight title match. I don't see John Cena beating Seth Rollins at this point. I just don't think it's it's the right move. I think Seth Rollins keeps that title yet again. And, you know, I think eventually he'll drop it too. Unfortunately, I, I think that they're saving a Roman Reigns-Seth Rollins maybe Survivor Series, if I'm, if I'm to guess. Uh, right around there is probably when he'll drop the strap. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess that's possible. At the end of the day, I don't know who's going to wrestle, and that's the thing. I, I don't see how you can have Cena go against, um, you know, go against Rollins because they have no history. His, his, he's been feuding with Kevin Owens for months now, you know, which has been a good feud and it's helped put Owens on the map, especially because he went after the big dog, quote-unquote, in the WWE. So that is a good thing, and he's he's definitely performed well in that role, Uh you know, I like Kevin Owens. I think he's got some talent. I'm not a big – I think it's more his voice that kind of annoys me more than anything else. I'm not a huge fan of when he speaks. Um, not that he's bad on the microphone. He isn't. But I just something about his voice just sounds weird to me. But anyway, um, I think the fact that he's there is a good thing. And it would be good if he beat Cena finally for the U.S. title. 
again, they'll probably trade that title back and forth, and, you know, who knows what will happen in that case. Sir. I just can't imagine that they're going to have, um, you know, Cena wrestle WrestleMania because there's been no sort of – now I figured out why. He's uh, Canadian. That makes sense. He sounds very Canadian. No wonder I hate him. But anyway, uh, but I'm from – wait a minute. I forgot. We actually have uh, – we have, we to have, have sound effects here, so – yeah, I forget. Wait, uh, is it uh, is it this one? Probably not. Oh, jeez. Sorry. Uh, maybe it's this one. <laughs> nope. Oh, there it is. There, there we go. go. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway you know, sir, um, you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you go from feuding over the over the U.S. title for months? Hey, by the way, we need a, we need a. Um, main event for SummerSlam, and I think that's the problem. I like Lesnar and Taker, that's fine, that's great, throw them together, but Lesnar's been feuding with Rollins, and you know, Ambrose has been busy, um, what's-his-face, Reigns has been busy, so who who is he going to fight? SummerSlam is one of your big pay-per-views of the year, and, you know, or whatever, big WWE Network live event of the year, but who is he going to, who are they going to throw him in with, and I think that that's going to undercut the fact that they're focusing solely on Taker and Lesnar is going to undercut anything else going on, especially the WWE uh, title, because I would think that Taker and Lesnar are going to be the main event anyway. So you think that you don't see a John Cena-Seth Rollins match at SummerSlam? How do they pull that out? Well, where, where does John it come Cena from? Just, John Cena just beat Seth Rollins tonight clean. Why can't he get a title match now? Wait, but yeah, but he's still the United States champion, and he's still feuding with Kevin Owens, so how do you do that? I thought that feud is pretty much dead and buried now. I think Kevin Owens has moved on to Randy Orton, to be honest with you. Yeah, Randy Orton, Randy Schmorton. It's another guy I can't stand. But, I mean, I guess but, if they're going to throw it together like that, unless they're going to do like a big, you know, a big sort of like three, a tri- triple threat or fatal four-way or something, which might be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to give kudos to WWE for this reason, though. The last 10 months... I really think Triple H has done a great job, and I think the creative team has done a great job on emphasizing the the secondary titles, such as the U.S. title, because John Cena is the U.S. champion. Who would ever have thought somebody that's a 16 or 15 time World Heavyweight Champion uh, would represent the U.S. title the way he's been doing? And I think he's. Uh, and then before that, uh, until I guess Daniel Bryan got hurt, and uh, even now Ryback got hurt because he won the title recently. Right. I think, and even the tag team titles have been really good. The tag team division has gotten better. So I think the emphasis on the secondary titles and the tag team titles as well is tough enough. And this in, in infusion of, of young talent like Kevin Owens, uh, Neville, and a, a few others, I, I really think they've done a good job on, on starting to build the future for the WWE. You know, it's weird. I've always found it odd, and it ties into what you're saying about Neville. I think it's weird when they just drop the guy's first name. He's been Adrian Neville his entire career in the WWE, and the whole time that he was there in NXT as a champion, all of a sudden he's just Neville. That's like right. you just, you know, you're, you're coming up in the system, and then all of a sudden they just call you Bacino or, right. you know, Guspazzo or whatever the name is. I, I think that's odd. You have guys like Kevin Owens, and they did the same thing with Cesaro. Cesaro was on the main roster as Antonio Cesaro, and then all of a sudden he's just Cesaro. But anyway, um, you know, you're right. They haven't, it hasn't been a good influx of talent. I think they've been a great job of, you know, promoting the secondary titles because the fact that Cena wrestles basically every single week for the U.S. title, that's huge. And the fact that John Cena is the guy that they've chosen who's held the U.S. title more than anyone in the history of the title being a part of the WWE is also a good thing, um, you know, to add to his 87 other title reigns. 
but you're right. The tag titles have been important. There's been there's been a real emphasis on these titles, and the fact that the WWE World Heavyweight Championship can't be defended every single week, yeah, at least these other titles have been important. And you're right with Daniel Bryan before he got injured. I, I think the idea was to have him defend it on a regular basis too. You know, having former main eventers, former world champions as the secondary title holders is a good thing because whoever beats them gets a big push. And I don't know if it's because of the World Cup, the Women's World Cup uh, in soccer, but there's there's been a huge emphasis also on the Divas Division. What was once a joke of a division, the Divas Division, as we used to call it, has now infused, again, with young talent, and I think it's actually an interesting division now. I mean, you have a lot of people, like uh, Ric Flair's daughter is up and coming. Uh, obviously, you have Paige. Charlotte? Um, yeah, Charlotte. You have, uh, and even I forget the the, the NXT uh, World Champion, uh, what her name is. Do you Sasha Banks, right? I believe. Yes, yes, that's her name. Yeah, so so that talent uh, again. Uh, kudos to Triple H and Stephanie. I think for for legitimately making the WWE Women's Division a legit division, not like that where we used to joke around and say, yeah, this is the time where guys go up and go to the bathroom or go get some food, go get a snack. Um, the women's division is now a le- legit division, if you ask me. I agree. I mean, and I thought I thought the segment, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not knocking the segment, I just thought it was odd with the way they introduced Charlotte, uh, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks all in the same segment, and all of a sudden here is three new divas. Um, but other than that, I thought it was great. I think that the emphasis has been good. I think the fact that, you know, Nikki Bella is there, basically she's going to be AJ's the longest Divas champion in, you know, WWE history is ridiculous. You know, they need to take the title off her immediately. She's she's terrible. But I guess when you're uh, sleeping with John Cena, oh, what are you going to do? But at the end of the day, sir, I think that the fact that they've done this and they've brought these women up and they're trying to, you know, again, mixing Paige in there. If they can throw an Italian, they're also trying to throw actual talent in the women's division. I think that's a good thing. It'll always be a bathroom break for me only because, you know, I just, I, I, I personally am not a huge fan. I do think that what I've seen in NXT when they've main evented and they've done things has been impressive. So, you know, maybe they'll make a believer out of me, but I definitely agree with you. They've done a good job of making the Divas division anything but a joke. And, you know, it's, it's been getting some attention. And, you know, there's been a there's been a good emphasis by the company, sir. Have you at least seen Charlotte's finishing move called the figure eight as, you know, doubling her father's figure four move? Yes, yes. That's, that's been interesting, sir, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, give you got to give them, I mean, we ripped them on, we probably ripped them more than any other uh, duo on the probably internet radio. Uh, but you know you gotta give them their kudos, and I really think they've done a good job. And uh, uh, to me, you know, going back on the cynical side, um, I'm, I have really no interest, like I said, in Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, because I, I just think that Undertaker has to win that match. But other than that, um, in the wrestling world, uh, in terms before we get to Hulk Hogan, or I'm not even allowed to say that name. Uh, I think we should probably call him Terry Bollea uh. from now on. I don't want to get sued by the WWE for that. Um, well, but you know, we could always we could always just say bulk Fogan, just so nobody would know we, who we're referring to. We could say that, but um, just some quick nuggets on just wrestling in general. I'm I'm not sure if you know this, but in the TNA world, where you know basically nobody really watches, but I I DVR and I watch uh, Ethan Carter, who's like I guess the nephew of uh, EC3? Dixie Carter. Yeah, EC3. Um, yeah. he's, he's now the world heavyweight champion there And they've infused Jeff Jarrett And his uh, promotion um, Which escapes my mind now But um, GFW, he's your newest, Global Force Wrestling 
That's right. So they've really um, merged, Losing not it. merged the two, but they're working the two companies together. And Jeff Jarrett is now uh, being inducted into his own company's Hall of Fame, which I find very uh, funny at, at the very least. Yeah, I think it's odd. I think the I think the whole thing is just weird, sir. Um, I don't even know what the hell they're thinking. I mean, I thought Jerry left on bad terms. Who knows? You know, TNA's interesting. I, I always liked that Ethan Carter when he was in the WWE, and the name actually escapes me, so I'm going to have to look this up. I thought, or have our producers look it up. Um, Kelly, get on that for me, thanks. I always thought that, you know, he had some talent. Um, and, you know, the WWE released him. I was a little disappointed with that. I may, I may have been his only fan while he was in the company. But they give Derek Bateman. Here you go. Thanks, Kelly. Um, they give weird, they give these guys all of a sudden. Hey, wait a minute! Uh, here, here's a title. You, you're next WWE, whatever. Here you go, boom. And you know, he, I mean, he didn't have a great run in the WWE. He definitely showed some talent, but um, I don't know, sir. I, I just think it's weird that all of a sudden, you know, this guy, of course, is in, in TNA for you know this year, if anything, um, and you know, the past couple of years, but. To have him all of a sudden, like, boom, here comes the boom as a TNA World Heavyweight Champion, I just find it odd. It's like they'll give anybody who was in the WWE that title, sir. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that he's the World Heavyweight Champion and Jeff Jarrett is now inducted, the only thing I, I find interesting about TNA over the last uh, 10 months, I guess, is that they don't really have their broadcasters at the event anymore. They broadcast from, like, the studio, which is interesting. Taz asked for his release and got it just recently, a couple months ago. Oh, really? Um, I don't know. Yeah, that. Taz asked for his release, and now he's working uh, with nobody, actually. So uh, he's gone, too. So people like that. And well, Bully maybe, Ray. Maybe he'll come back to the WWE at some point. Yeah, maybe. Bully Ray is back with the TNA as their commissioner or enforcer, whatever that means. And, you well, know, actually, I don't. I read, I read that he's gone from TNA. He left again? It was an article, it was an article today. Let me see. Uh, I'll, I'll read this from you from Russell's own. Give him the credit. Uh, according to PWInsider.com, Bully Ray has already gone from TNA Wrestling just one week after making his return to television as a brand new on-screen authority figure. The company spent a lot of time building up the Hall of Famer's return, with Dixie Carter herself making an appearance to name him the new authority of Impact Wrestling. He was not backstage for any of the tapings, despite living in the area. His absence was noted, etc., etc., etc. We'll see what happens there. I, I do think that, you know, it, it would have been nice to see him back in the WWE after that Royal Rumble spot, but we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and I guess the only other news, uh, we, we alluded to it, and we might as well address it now before we take a break and get into the sports world, uh, we're still talking sports entertainment, is the fact that, um, and you broke the story to me, which, you know, I'm pretty clueless, I guess, the last couple of days, but Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Terry Bollet, like yeah, you're probably right about that, um, has been released from the WWE, striking his name from every record book, Hall of Fame, um, all that good jazz for apparently an, a radio interview that he had three years ago calling uh, using the N word, um, sir. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just lay it out on the line. I I think this is the WWE trying to cover their you know behind in terms of being politically correct and getting rid of them because um, I've seen a lot of backlash. I've seen a Booker T video, for example, on YouTube where he uses the same word and um, no action was taken. So. Um, I know I well, might sound like a remember, bigot, but sir, go ahead. That well, you are a bigot, but that was from WCW. So what actually could they have taken? Uh, there was a clip of Vince using the N word um, with John Cena, and there, the WWE actually made a statement on that. 
saying basically that that was a character in a in, you know in a skit and whatever. Like I'm I'm actually gonna try to find it. Um, okay. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Well, let me well see. as you look, Here. I know you. Yeah, I know you can multitask, but you first. Let me ask you: Do you agree with the firing of Hulk Hogan? Um, I don't necessarily agree with the firing. I think that. Huh, I think that you know they. I can understand why they felt they had to take action. It wasn't just a radio interview. Apparently, there was some video release. I mean, this seems like there's a really – they're in it, not them specifically, but that people are really out there to get Hulk Hogan, it seems like, because these videos have been released of him with these really horribly, terribly offensive, beyond the radio interview, just offensive, using the N-word, insulting, you know, certain black people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, you know – he is the biggest star in the history of your company. Did he say some terrible things? Yes. Releasing him, was that the right move? Probably for the company, you know, in the whole PC era. But to, but what bothers me is to try to scrub him from everything, you know, like off the website, kick his name. You know, he's no longer listed as a superstar. He's no longer listed in the Hall of Fame. I mean, when you look at all the payroll records and stuff, he's still there, and there are still videos of him. But all the articles, everything, like, they're basically trying to act like he's Chris Benoit and he doesn't exist. And that bothers me. I mean, you know, six months down the road, are they going to, you know, bring him back? Probably not. But is he going to be back on the website? I think that's the thing. To act like fans are dumb, to act like he never existed because of this whole racial thing, like, really, is it, is it again, bad, terrible, horrible. He never should have said anything. He never should. I mean, this is just dumb. It's all in the privacy of his own home, in certain contexts, whatever. But it's just bad, you know, stuff that never should be said. I do think, though, if you were to ask people, if you were to really catch them, you know, um, with no sort of filter, I think a lot of people are probably way more offensive and probably as racist as it gets and it just doesn't come out. But the fact that Hogan made these statements, the fact that they've tried to eliminate him from, from ever existing in the WWE, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because, yes, he messed up. Yes, you can fire him. That's fine. He, he What he did was bad all of which happened when he was not working for the company, by the way, which I find kind of odd. But, um, you know, again, their whole thing is that they're trying to – basically they're just trying to get rid of this, this stench that's surrounding him right now. And I, I, I think that part of it is wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said there because um, he did he did make some offensive comments. And um, I guess oh, you yeah. could, as a company, you know, you have the right to obviously fire the guy, but but why go so far and and like make him like a Chris Benoit type figure? I mean, he said some offensive words, and if he's apologized, some people will accept the apology. Some people will think that it's just you know too late to apologize after the, this tape came out. But you know, to to put him in the, the class of a Chris Benoit and erasing him from the history books and and not considering the Hall of Fame. I mean, he made wrestling what it is. I mean, he is the man, when everyone asks, you know, name a wrestler, any non-wrestling fan is going to say Hulk Hogan. Oh, of course, of course. Um, Let's see. I think I – let's see if I found the the clip here. This is WWE issued a statement. Let's see. Representative – la, 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 la. Oh, well, WWE basically said that you know it, it was a character in a skit, using it in a comedic way, but it's still it was still questionable to use it, sir. Like that, they never should have done that. I agree. And I so mean, the, the truth is, 
the truth is WWE is super hypocritical. You know, they're, they're just the biggest hypocrites. They do an anti-bullying campaign where they've done for years where their whole wrestling is all about bullying. It's all about making fun of the less fortunate, making fun of Zach Gallon with one leg, making fun of, you know, little people, midgets, whatever you want to call them, which, of course, I'd probably offend half the, half the, you know, little people population with that comment. You know, this show will be pulled off the air pretty soon. But the fact is that they, everything is a double standard in the WWE. What I would have liked to see is if Triple H had said all this, what would the reaction have been? Do you remember Chuck and Billy? Oh, geez, yeah, of course. Well, there you go. I that mean, that says it all. It, you know, look, look at look at what he did. If if Hogan had said, um, you know, if he went to a KKK rally and was basically saying, you know, kill all ends and you know blacks and blah blah blah. You know, murder them all, I hate them all. I mean, all right, I understand that. And, again, I'm not trying to say that what he said was okay. I'm not trying to say that it's that, uh, yeah, it's great what he did. No, his statements were horrible. And, of course, I do think there's some sort of racism in there. I mean, but when you look at his career, I mean, not that this is a credible witness, but Dennis Rodman has come out to defend him. George Foreman, who, you know, George is somebody that I would take his word a little more seriously, loves Hogan, says that he doesn't think Hogan is racist at all. I mean, you know, Virgil, of course, you know, who was the um, million-dollar man's, you know, bodyguard for so many years, said he loves Hogan, that nobody in the world has ever done as much for him in his personal life as Hulk Hogan did. You know, I mean, these are, these are other than Virgil, but still, you know, black guys, you know, African-American men, famous, super famous in some cases, and even they're saying that, you know, knowing Hogan for so many years that they don't think he's racist, I mean, that that's got to count for something, no? It does, and um, this is why I feel like they f- they found a reason to get rid of Hulk Hogan, and um, obviously they have a legit reason. But uh, I, I like you said, well, if this was Triple H or someone is else, is it legit though? Is it legit to get rid of him over this? Something he said when he wasn't working for the company. Um, well, to say I think you know, unfortunately, this this world revolves around dollars and cents. So if this ever got out and the WWE is a publicly traded company and they employ a bigot like Hulk Hogan, which they are, you know, I, I'm pretty sure their stock price would take a pretty dive, a pretty big dive. Well, and, um, it actually did take a big dive with what happened with Hogan. So, I mean, that that part is definitely true. I wonder if he sold off all his shares after he got fired. Hogan, who knows if they like, just took them away from him. I mean, who, who knows, sir? Yeah. So, um, I just think it's hypocritical. You know, the, uh, sorry, sir. I just think it's hypocritical. I don't like it. It bothers me that they're trying to, you know, erase him like he never existed. I mean, how do you, how do you justify that? Oh, by the way, the WWE has officially announced that SummerSlam is going to be four hours. Oh my goodness, how yeah, is that even I, possible? I was going to tell you that unfortunate news, but I, I, I figured let's not even talk about it. But they announced that tonight. I think Triple H and Stephanie came out to the ring in the beginning of, of Raw to announce it will be a four-hour fest. So now. We're comparing WrestleMania, which, you know, was WrestleMania 30 was a perfect four-hour show. This past WrestleMania was not a good four-hour show, and now you're making Summerfest, Summer Scam, Summer Slam, a four-hour show. I, I, I don't know. I to me that's that's it's, overkill. It's too much, sir. It really is. Oh, by the way, um, here's another thing. As far as Hogan goes, um, they removed him from the WWE 2K16 game. I don't know if you know about that. He's out of the game now because of what he said. They removed him and put Austin in, apparently, if you pre-order by next well, week. No, Austin, like was always, Austin was a superstar, you know, the cover superstar, but they completely removed Hogan from the game, and they actually put um, the Terminator in 
I literally, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, which is yeah. unbelievable. But, yeah, so, th- so there goes that. If you watched all of Raw, actually, you would have saw a funny commercial. I don't know if you saw that commercial with the Terminator and, like, Dean Ambrose in a bar recreating Terminator 1 movie. No, I didn't see that there. That's a pretty funny commercial, so if you get a chance, check that out, too. Um, I think uh, I think we've caught the audience up in a, in a nutshell what wrestling's been going on the last 10 months. So uh, that's it for the sports entertainment segment for tonight. Um, I hope you got some uh, some old-school sound bites so we could take a break and then come back and talk about some sports uh, on the other side of the glass. On the other side of the partition, folks, we'll be right back after these messages from uh, former guests and, uh, you know, Basically, people whose uh, whose careers were made here on Pure Gold from 2011. Uh, yeah. Hey, can you can you throw this out there, please? Thank you. Wait, what was that there? I'm saying these sound bites are recycled from 2011. But go ahead. This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City, I'm listening to Pure Gold. Oh yeah. Yes, he is. What's up, guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Here's a guy I haven't spoken to in a long time and, and unfriended me and unfollowed me on, uh, on Twitter. This is Josh Eisenberg from Chair Shot Reality on WrestleZone.com. Tune in each week to Pure... Yeah, that's enough of you, Josh. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what do we have going on here? Hi guys, I'm actress Laura Jean Salerno, and you're listening to David and Joe on PureGoldPG.com. So relax, put your feet up, and listen in. I mean, not on the table because that's just gross. Here's something, folks. We're going to give you a real throwback on this one. Live from 16:40 a.m. Ironbound oh, wow. Radio in New York, New Jersey. It's Pure Gold <laughs> with your host, David and Joe. Gotta love that. So wait, what's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. Everybody, it's Nikki Boyer from Yahoo's Daytime and No Time. And don't forget to check out Pure Gold every single week for amazing guest interviews and pretty entertaining radio, I have to say. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are, Nikki. We love you, and uh, we wish you could come back on this. i got to get her back on the show. So I, she's doing something completely different now. But uh, anyway, that's all, that's all on topic. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, I, I wish you would have played our favorite guest of all time, like Lisa Mateo, because she was, you know, she really was a nice guest. Oh, I love Lisa. I actually sometimes talk to her on Twitter, and I make some comments in there. Oh, I'm Lisa Mateo from the Pix11 Morning News in New York. Make sure you check out Pure Gold every week for the best talk radio around. Oh, yeah. So for all those listeners out there, all of, of zero of you, 929-477-2593. Again, like Dave said, I'm never going to get used to that number, but if you want to call in, talk about anything and everything, you can. If not, me and Dave are going to continue with the show right now. Let's get into the sports world catch you up uh let's see real fast in hockey the blackhawks won the cup who cares in basketball oh, the golden state really? warriors who would have ever thought the golden state warriors would have won a, a world title but uh i i guess you know good teams uh eventually do win championships and the golden state warriors sir were a good team this year yeah who cares Crickets. <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh what happened in football oh yeah that's right we had uh, a little thing called deflate gate 
Tom Brady and the Patriots won another Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. They did? Fighting. Yeah, I think they did back in January, but uh, I'll try to forget that. The Jets and Giants, if we have a show coming up in a week, we'll we'll get into the Jets and Giants as we approach August, which, by the way, August 1st will be one anniversary that you became the WWE champion, uh, that belt that I gave you. Uh, how's that belt doing, by the way? It's actually right behind me. I love it, um, and I can't wait to see you again so that I can smash in the face with it. <laughs> there you go. August 1st, this Saturday, will be one year that I gave that nice championship belt to Davey. Uh, earned it. I told him I'd get it, and I did promise. I did uh, you know, live up to my promise, and I didn't give him that title, so I'm glad the belt's doing good shape. So the real topic we should talk about, if we do get to talk about the Jets and Giants upcoming uh, in the upcoming weeks, if we have a show you know, more normally on Tuesday nights. Let's talk about baseball because that's probably the biggest topic. Let's talk about the one and only, the Metropolitans. Just like the WWE, last couple of months, last 10 months have infused uh, some young talent. The WWE, uh, the, the New York Mets, have infused <laughs> their uh, their team with young pitching talent. We have, obviously, we have Matt Har- Harvey, uh, who's pitching obviously. for the last two years. Yep, we have Matt Harvey. Uh, but now we have Jason DeGrom, we have Steven Matz, we have, um, who am I forgetting already, uh, Noah Syndergaard, the uh, Celtic warrior, as I call him. Um, so, sir, the, the Mets are now in a situation Noah where... Noah Syndergaard isn't, isn't remotely Irish. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. That's, that's I'm just like, kidding. But the guys, what's what's wrong just, with you? The, the, the blonde the hair. Are you? Anyway, anyway. The the Mets are in a situation where um, because the, the the Nationals are a team that's pretty much um, not in you know I don't know what's wrong with them to be honest with you. besides their injuries they're 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 only two games out of first place the Mets and the Mets now are faced with the situation that they have great great starting pitching great young starting pitching and they've made a couple of trades which I want you to break down because you're you're better at that. Game. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> their offense is just putrid. I mean, uh, David Wright has been out since the first oh. or second week of the season uh, with a, a spinal stenosis. David Wright. Who? And um, who was that? David Wright. <laughs> Christ, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. Keep me out. Gone. Gone. Put it down. <laughs> of course, uh, that Chris Russo was talking about if he was the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, he would have David Wright out of baseball. So you you were saying, continue, sir. <laughs> I was saying that the Mets' offense is very bad. They're only two games out, and that's only because of their pitching. I think the one stat that really um, that I want to throw out before I talk about the trades and what your thought is on this team for this year is the fact the Mets are, I believe, 34-5 and this year when they score at least four runs. So that's that's that tells you right there that their pitching has been winning them games. They're only two games out of first place. I don't think they're going to be able to catch the, uh, the Nationals, but they they will always be in the hunt for the wild card because there's two wild cards as we know. Um, but right. you know, break down the two trades. Tell me where you te- tell me where you think about this team. You've actually gone to a Mets game, which that's the ultimate betrayal right there because we didn't we said we would not go to a Mets <laughs> game ever again until they start winning. So you went to a Mets Did game. I said, so. Oh, well. I mean, technically, Matt Harvey was pitching and they won that game, so I held up my end of the bargain. Um, there you go. You know, my brother came out. My brother came out from Wisconsin, and we were supposed to go with him to the game, but there was some crazy weather and crazy situation happening over where he's from, 
and he didn't even make it to like one in the morning, but we had tickets, so we went in the Mets one, which is of course good. Um, but you know, going to the field, it's always it's always good. It's always a fun time. Of course, the Mets win, which lately has happened that often. But when you look at the two trades the Mets made, I mean, two no-name pitchers, pretty much guys you've never heard of and probably never hear from again. They ended up getting Kelly Johnson, who's a utility man from the Braves, and of course, Juan Uribe, another utility man. You know, played third base and whatnot. Johnson's kind of played all over the place. Um, I thought it was weird that they made a trade in, in their division, but it's good because look at the dividends they were paid the day that they, that, you know, Johnson started, of course, which was uh, was a Saturday. Um, you know, he hits a homer in the game, big game. Um, you know, and Arebe ended up getting the game-winning hit yesterday, which which he came within like two feet of hitting a three-run three-run game-winning home run. I mean, he crushed that pitch. So obviously they're paying dividends there. They've both had a part in, in winning these last two games. And the biggest part, of course, uh, of that whole situation would be Michael Conforto coming up, which it seems like forever. But this guy, who's a highly talented Mets prospect, was actually in the, you know, drafted last year, which is crazy to see him already on the team. But the kid can hit. You know, he can flat out hit. He can play baseball. He's a good ball player. I mean, he's not going to hit 30 home runs, and he's not going to be the savior of the franchise. But the fact that he comes up, he's poised. You know, he gets an RBI in his debut. He gets four hits. His second game in the in his uh, professional career, and of course I correctly deduced that he's the first Met in history to ever get four hits in his second game as a Met, and really the first or second game, you know, which is amazing. And of course that same day, Kirk Newenheis missed three home runs, guy who was the first Met in history, which is insane to me, to hit three home runs at home, um, which I love that. So I don't know if you if you ended up watching those clips, but he went. In order, left field, center field, right field. I thought that was great, and I've always liked Nolan Heights. He's definitely, you know, not as good as he could be, and, uh, you know, you can't take this like, oh, he's going to be a, a star, but he's had a couple of good games at home. Um, again, Conforto, sir, I, I'm going to get your take on him in a second. The kid can flat out just hit, and I think he's going to be a good addition to this team. And, of course, the Mets getting Tyler Clipper today from the Athletics, um, and his numbers are pretty good. You know, he definitely – He's put up some numbers. He And I, I was thinking, why does his name sound familiar? He was actually drafted by the Yankees, and he was a closer for the Nationals for a couple of years. He was an all-star last year and in 2011. Um, you know, I think that this is – honestly, I think that this was a good move. I like both moves because, really, they didn't, get, they didn't give up much. Um, apparently, the guys that they got rid of for Clipper were pretty decent, but, you know, single-A, double-A type guys. You know, uh, this year he's, he's one and three. He's got a 2.79. ERA, which is which is you know really good, um, especially in the American League. Where of course they flat out they just hit more than they do here, um, and then of course he's got 17 saves, which is great. You know, and uh, you know I think that he's going to be a good addition to this team. He's only given up three home runs, which is which is good. Um, his walks are a little bit up, and his strikeouts not what they you know what they used to be. But I do think that he's going to help uh, Familia, you know, in closer slash setup man capacity. So I think it's a really good move. You know, this guy's like I said, was an all-star multiple times. And adding him to the bullpen, yes, the, the fans want a huge bat. But, but adding bullpen help is key because, you know, you, you said it. If the Mets hypothetically speak and make the playoffs, playoffs, we talk about playoffs. If the Mets could actually just get big bat in this lineup, you know, and Conforto keeps hitting and, you know, guys like Johnson and Arebe, you know, step up to the plate. Um, I think uh, that playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding no. me? Playoffs. <laughs> awesome, good stuff as always. Um, but yes, yeah, sir. I think if you if you look at this team, the way that they were constructed before these trades, 
the worst, the worst. I think they said in in the amount of games it was ninety four. They're the second team since nineteen twenty to you know be dead last in these categories and not hitting. And they had a, a four and five hitter both batting under two hundred, which is which is disgusting. Um, just just no offense whatsoever. The Mets could be ten games, twelve games better than they are now, sir. Um, but they definitely have pitching talent and pitching wins, and they can win in the in the postseason. Cause some damage, but they need hitting, sir. Where are they going to get it? They need a big bopper in this lineup. David Wright has been out all year. He's not the player he used to be. Travis Darnell is injury prone like crazy. But again, I feel better now than I did just a couple of days ago, being that they called up Conforto and they, they made these moves there. I think as a Mets fan, you've got to feel at least a little bit more positive. Yeah, you're right. And you hit on a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, the fact that I, I feel like nobody talked about. The Mets, every time you talked about the Mets making a trade, it was always for an offensive, uh, big offensive bat. And what Sandy Olsen did was actually try to strengthen the Mets' strength, which is their pitching, not their bullpen per se, but they they bolstered their bullpen. And I think part of it is because I believe Mejia wouldn't be able, wouldn't be eligible for the playoffs if they did make the playoffs. That's that's the biggest point, I believe, they made the trade these trades to strengthen the bullpen. Uh, but I also think that um, given the, the budget that Sandy has to work within, because the Wilpons or the coupons, as we call them, um, you know, still won't go out and spend the big money. I, I first, I don't know who's out there, who's available out there. Like, you're not going to go out there and get a Mike Trout. You're not going to get somebody like, um, you know, another big bet. So um, the Mets went a different route and they decided to strengthen their pitching, um, not only for this year, I think for next year too. Where hopefully, right. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right on cue, David Wright. I think that if he does come back, he might not be the same person per se, but he could be uh, protecting Conforto a, l- a little bit more than, you know, say a um, Garrett Anderson. Garrett Anderson? Who the hell's Garrett? What are you talking about, Garrett Anderson? <laughs> I forget the guy's name. Uh, the guy that plays uh, <laughs> the left field. Are you talking about Curtis Granderson? <laughs> wow, loser. Uh, by the way, uh, he's the leadoff hitter on this team, so he's not protecting anyone. Um, he's actually having a pretty decent season, about like 120, but anyway. Um, the problem with David Wright, though, is that you know, the, the problem I've always had with the Mets, you know, backtracking a second, I've heard this for so many years. You know, if, if this person comes back, if this person comes back, their philosophy is basically we don't need to change anything, we don't need any help, we don't need to do anything, because if our entire team comes back and has career seasons, then you know what, we're going to have a good year. Every team on the planet could say that, and that's just a terrible attitude and a terrible, you know, philosophy to have. But at the but at the end of the day, I mean, David Wright has not been himself in years, you know, and even if he came back tomorrow, there's no, there's no sort of proof um, and there's no sort of indication that he's going to come back and be the player that he used to be. I mean, I, I didn't – thinking he was healthy, I wasn't a big fan of his, you know, and, and the fact is this guy is going to be – this contract – is going to destroy this team, and he's going to be an albatross around their neck for years. They still got five more years on him, and he has been injured, you know, this entire season. Who knows, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, you know, look back at 2011. He only played 102 games. He played 156 in 2012, which is a full season. Um, and that's the last year he had a really good year, which is 21-93 and uh, 306. So you're talking three years ago. Uh, in 2013, he played 112 games. Last year, he played 134 games, but he only hit eight homers, had 63 runs batted in, and, um, you know, bad 269, which is terrible, 
you know, you're talking a drop of 13 homers and, and 30 RBI and uh, 40 points in his batting average. So that's terrible, you know. And when you look at this team, the way it's constructed, it's completely constructed around David Wright, but he's not the type of player who can carry you. So, yeah, this guy has been, before the injury in 2011, I mean, he's had solid years, had a, had a really good promising career, you know, Um other than, of course, 2009, that year when they uh, they started in City Field. But other than that blip on the radar, he had some pretty good years, and then all of a sudden he's injured. You know, he comes back as a great as, as a good year, is okay year, but he's still injured. And then last year, almost a full season, he was terrible. He missed 30 games last year. The year before that, he missed 50 games. You know, the, the two years before that, he missed 60 games. So the, there's a pattern here, and it's trending, and he is only 32, but – I mean, this guy is really going to be the albatross around this team. And, you know, if they're if the contract is insured and they can get all that money, then, you know, that's awesome. But if not, then the Mets are going to be – they're going to be in big trouble, sir, because that contract is going to is gonna handcuff them. But they're going to have to move on like he didn't exist because you can't even count on him coming back and being any good, sir, even if he is healthy. Yeah, I mean, but the, the, I think the Mets are in a catch-22 this year where um, now – Basically, all Major League Baseball knows that the Mets have uh, five great young studs, and that they're going to be. I, I think you know well, we know Matt's that the Mets injured, and and yeah. Wheeler's gone until next year, so I don't know about but five great young studs. But I'm just saying they have the potential to have a, a rotation like no other uh, that they haven't had in a long time, maybe since '86, uh, where they had a four-man rotation of Bobby Ojeda, Dwight Gooden, Ron Darling, and Sid Fernandez. Um, they th- this rotation. And I know the Mets' luck hasn't been great with in terms of health-wise, but if they do stay healthy given next year, they can go out, and I think they could get a bat through free agency. I don't think you want to make a trade for a big bat right now because what's going to happen is the teams are going to ask for one of those five pitchers, and um, I'm not really to, I'm not ready to break them up. I want to see what they're all about. If they do stay healthy, which I, I hope they do, I mean, this, think about how dominant this team could be. They could be the, the, the team of – the Braves of the '90s, uh, albeit that the Braves only won one one championship, but um, you know, right? Get, but get of course, you you take that level of success because 15 was yeah. like 15 years in a row they were in the playoffs, playoffs, right? Playoffs. Um, but the problem I have with what you're saying, sir, is that you know, baseball is, is a fickle. She's a fickle woman. Let's say she is hard to please, and I think that you know, you don't know what you're going to get from year to year. I mean, look at this. Wheeler is out with Tommy John this year. Harvey was out, you know, two years ago had Tommy John out all last year comes back this year, hasn't really been himself. You know, Matt is injured. Who knows when he's coming back? Uh, Darno's always getting hurt. I mean, you're talking injury after injury after injury to this team. And these pitchers, you know, they may not last. They may not make it. They may not be as good as we think they are because the rumors are that Matt is the best of the bunch. But, I mean, as damn good as the ground has been, I mean, this kid can flat-out pitch. And Syndergaard is pretty good, too. Yeah. Besides health-wise, you know, though, the, the – go ahead. No, sorry, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but the problem, the problem becomes – you you don't know who's health, who's going to be healthy, and I think you have to kind of go for it this year because again with that pitching they can make damage, they can do serious destruction in the playoffs, but they don't have the hitting which will carry them through. So I think they do need to go after Big Bat, and you know I, I mean I'm not talking trade Harvey or Syndergaard or Degrom, but I'm saying trade somebody, do something, make an upgrade this year because if not next year they could you know have a great staff and lose 95 games. Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. I, the other catch is that say these t- these pitchers all become great pitchers, knowing the Mets and their their tight wallet uh, with the coupons, 
Um, you know, you, you want to lock these pitchers up and, and keep them together if they are going to be dominant. But, you know, knowing the Mets are probably going to only want to keep one or two of these guys and let the rest go. So you either rip up their contracts now and sign them long-term and take the chance that they'll stay healthy and be dominant, or you risk that, you know, in a couple of years when they are dominant, they're just going to leave and probably go to the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Tigers, you know, big big names like the Dodgers, the Anaheim, Anaheim Angels. So that's the, that's the biggest catch, and I, I agree with you going for it right this year because you're only two games out. My only thing is that, you know, we have two wild cards in every division, so every team is technically still in it except – if you're like a team like, I don't know, um, give me a team that's not like the Brewers or something like that. But, you know, every team still wants to go for it, like the Mets want to go for it. So making a trade, uh, yeah, where we, we want a big stick, but where are we going to get it? I, I still don't know who's willing to give up their big bopper yet if they're still within three or four games of the wild card. That's the biggest, I think, catch-22 that the Mets face right now. I get what you're saying, but there's always teams who are out of it, you know, and, and they're gonna they're gonna pretty much jump ships soon enough. I mean, you know, Friday's a trade deadline, something's gonna happen there. Would you want somebody like Ryan Braun on your team? Not necessarily Ryan Braun. I mean, I don't even know what kind of stats this guy's producing. I think the problem with Braun would be his contract. No, I mean he's gonna have a big contract. I'm I'm sure he's not he's not gonna come cheap. Let's see what uh what's going on with Ryan Braun, the Braunator. I would think that anybody that you know that you want on the team has a big contract right now. If you're going to look for a trade, my guess is that they they're locked into a big contract. I I don't know, you know, Lucas Duda. Let's look at him first. Um, he's been a big disappointment. Um, he's definitely been a drop off. And I thought that the Mets actually made the right decision when they got rid of Ike Davis instead of uh, Lucas Duda. But I think they're both bums, to be honest well, with you. Well, you I think... say that you say that now, but at the time you weren't saying that. Yeah, of course they're both bums. They both stink. I, yeah. I don't know who who thought Duda was going to be this great ball player. He had one good, really good year, just like Ike had a good year and a half, and they both think. I mean, you look at Darno. If he stays healthy, I guess he could be a really good offensive catcher. Um, their center fielder, Ligaris, could be good. And now Conforto is up uh, and hopefully stays with the team. Other than that, I think everyone else is expendable, even uh, Curtis Granderson at this point. Because in a couple of years, the guy's going to be over the hill and um, useless. So you could upgrade almost every position on this team, minus the pitching staff. Right. I, I agree, sir. Uh, but I, I definitely – the Mets need a big bat. They need somebody to play right field. Um, I don't know what they would do with Granderson at that point, but, you know, Conferno should stay up here. Kadir stinks. You know, Lagaris isn't hitting. Uh, you know, that that becomes a problem. If you bring a big bat in here, do you get rid of Conforto? You know, do you get rid of Ligaris? Okay, uh, you know, I mean, first base would be ideal. Or really, third base would be the ideal position to bring in a big bopper because you don't have anybody now. But then what happens if David Wright comes back? You know, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. It is. Who, who that's are you getting I... rid of if you bring in somebody? Yeah, exactly. That's why I feel like, you know, a big contract, like even like somebody called today and on one of the other talk shows and said, like, can we try to bring in Cano? The problem with Cano is that he's not really doing that good this year, and he has a $240 million contract. Uh, unless Seattle is willing to eat some of that contract, then why would they want to get rid of him after the first year, uh, other than the fact that they feel like he's a bum? Um, you know, he'd be a major upgrade <laughs> at second base, but, you know, the Mets are not going to spend that kind of money. Right, of course. You know, they're not going to spend that kind of money. I wouldn't want them to spend that kind of money. That would That would be a bad move. I mean, Robbie Cano, don't you know... I think that would be an atrocious move, sir, no doubt. What do you, um, in terms of, you, you mentioned Matt Harvey not being the same. you think 
It's just that the year after Tommy John is that he needs a full year of pitching under his belt to be dominant again like he was a couple years ago? Or do you think that yeah, Jason DeGrom is just I, I a better think, pitcher? Well, I think that Jason and Jacob DeGrom, I'm guessing J- Jacob has his brother named Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a fool. So this is what you do with him, pure gold. Joe, get, you're like, you really are Chris Russo because you get all the names wrong and you are just a, a hot mess. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I think that Degrom. I think that Degrom is probably better than he is. A little more poised, but Harvey can be a dominant pitcher. He's got the stuff. He's got the mental makeup. He can hit. One thing I love about this Mets team: the pitchers can hit, which is sad because the, the regular players haven't been able to hit. You know, you got uh, Harvey hitting a home run. You got you know Degrom hitting the ball pretty decent. Syndergaard hitting a home run. Cologne hitting the ball. So it's always good to have pitchers who can actually hit. I've I've often wondered why pitchers don't focus at all on hitting and look like you know talentless buffoons when they're up there because they can help themselves, which Matt Hardy has done plenty of times uh, this year. But, you know, when you look at Harvey, I think he still has it in him. I do think it probably will be another year before he's back to his old self, which I hope he can get to, sir. I do hope so, too. And, sir, let me tell you, uh, this past hour has been certainly a pleasure. We haven't been on the air, like we were saying, about 10, 11 months and um, I hope that we could continue this show regularly from now on on Tuesday nights back our regularly scheduled time and day. Uh, but, you know, it's great reminiscing and talking and catching up. We basically caught up the audience, uh, what's happened the last 11 months or so, uh, in about an hour. So it's been a pleasure as always, and uh, let's try to do it again soon. And yours, of course. Uh, yeah, I agree, sir. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, one thing that did make me sad was the fact that we missed our, our three-year anniversary. Um, actually, no, wait, it would have been four years, right? How many, four how many, years, yeah. how many yeah. years it's been? Um, you know, four or five the years. fact that we missed it, yeah, 12 years, uh, 17 years, who knows? Um, that is what really bums me out, sir, because I really thought that, you know, man, this, this, is, this is something classic, this is something great, and we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to have um, – you know, uh, an anniversary show, but hopefully this year we'll be able to, and like you said, hopefully we'll be able to get back on a regular schedule. Yeah, Four let's years. hope so. so that, uh, this is, that means this is our fifth year anniversary. That's crazy. So let's hope that we can continue this, uh, keep it, keep the ball rolling, and try every Tuesday night, because I'm definitely off for that, sir. So uh, thanks again, and uh, take us home, sir. Ooh, folks, thank you once again for listening. For the two of you out there, we really appreciate you, you know, t- taking your time and spending it with us. Of course, as always, just check us out next time we have a show, which hopefully will be soon, hopefully will be next week. I mean, who knows? Well, only God in heaven knows. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And, of course, as always, um, take care and spike your hair. Woo, woo. Oh, wait, no, wrong uh, wrong ending. Um, hold on a second. Here Please you go. stink! Oh, boy. <laughs> have some guts! Show some guts! What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Nikki, we love you. Have a good evening, folks. Woo!